Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. If you, uh, if you pick up a copy of the Bible, I, I'm holding one here, you know, the Old Covenant is the part that was written before Jesus arrived on planet Earth at Christmas, and then the, the New Testament, the New Covenant, is the, uh, the 27 books that were written uh, about Jesus, words that he spoke, and then the first followers of Jesus wrote down in the uh, early days of the church. How many promises do you think are in this book? You can pick up, you know, if you've got the Old Testament, New Testament, you can pick it up. How many promises are in this book? 8,810. But the question of the day is this. How many of those 8,810 promises are for you? Now, don't answer. I grew up in a church's children's program where they sang the answer. And I asked a couple of people this past week, have you ever heard that song? And I named the song, no, never heard of it. So I Googled it, and on YouTube, the first two uh, videos were of children. They're still teaching children this song. And then, and then right after that on YouTube, there were adults singing this song, a gospel choir, and when they sang it, I so wanted every promise in the book to be mine. Oh, my, my, my soul was singing with them. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just had to believe. But I, I was a, when I was a teenager, grew up in the church, as I mentioned, uh, in my home in Halifax, my mom had put this, um, it was called a promise box. It was in the shape of a loaf of bread, and it was called the bread of life. And it was there, and I, sometimes when I'd be running late for the school bus, I'd just grab one. And one day, I'll never forget this, and because I kept it in my wallet for years until it became so worn out, you couldn't even read the words on it. But I remember the promise in the old King James uh, uh, translation of the Bible, you know, the these, thou's, hither's, and thither version of the Bible. I, it said this, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way thou shalt go. And I was in high school wondering what I was going to do after. I thought, that's a promise. That's a promise for me. But are all promises, are all 8,810 promises for me, actually? Let me share uh, four real-life examples that I've seen from those teenage years 
and into uh, pastoring a church. Four cases where, listen to me, assuming that every promise in the book is mine can be dangerous. Um, I remember a teenager in Halifax again, there was a man in his 50s that was diagnosed with terminal cancer. He said, I refuse to accept that. He said, God promised me in his word, he would give me three score and 10. Now, do you know what that means? Three score and 10, it just basically means 70 years. God's promised me 70 years. It's from Psalm 90, verse 10, in that King James language of the Bible, 70 years. And so I remember him saying that when I figured out what three score and 10 was. Oh, it means 70. You mean God's promised every one of us 70 years and then we're gone? You know, I can just imagine, you know, every time we celebrated a 69th birthday, you know, we'd be singing, you know, happy last year to you, you know, and, and one more year, one more year, and then we plan your funeral, you know. And then what would happen if you turned 71? God, you're not, you have not kept your promise. And then Jericho marches. They're based on, if you ever read the Old Covenant, it's this exciting book where Joshua leads people across the Jordan and the first place they're to conquer is a city called Jericho that has these walls all around it. And uh, this is the land that God had promised to Abraham and Joshua was leading his Old Covenant people into it and they were told, you march around it seven times and the walls are going to fall down. Well, during the 1970s, there were a lot of growing churches in Canada that needed larger facilities. And so you know what they would do? They would call it a Jericho march and they'd march around the land that they felt they should have as their property. And um, only discovery, you need to do more than march, you need money. Anyway, so <laughs> Proverbs 22.6 is another promise, Right? Train a child in the way they should go. When they are old, they will not depart from it. And parents um, who had children that were not following Jesus would so often claim that precious promise. And it really took off in the 1980s when, you know, household salvation. You know, God's promised you, your, you and your household. It was based on the book of Acts where, remember the jailer and his entire household uh, turned to Jesus, they were, and they were all baptized, and so out of that, they called it household salvation. Now, I want to I interject here. Listen, it's entirely critical and scriptural to pray for our children. Listen to me, because when you pray, the Holy Spirit will speak to them. The, the, the Holy Spirit will direct people across their pathway that will get away with saying things that you can't. And the Holy Spirit will help orchestrate circumstances in their life that will jolt them to God, all right? So, so totally, but, but, but absolutely, there's absolutely nothing in the Bible that talks about God violating a child's or anyone's free will, you know? I've decided to live life for myself. You can't. You're in my household, you know, it, it, it doesn't work that way. And then Jesus himself promises. Here's his exact words, people. Ask whatever you will, and I will do it for you. I mean, how, you're going to just, that, that's, there it is. How many times have I had someone 
sit in my office, rather distraught, often with tears, and say, Pastor Keith, the, God said he would, he's promised that he would give me the desires of my heart. And I, my desire is to be married. And, uh, and then meeting that same person in my office 20 years later, and God's promise he would give me the desires of my heart. I don't want to be married. Anyway, so... <clears throat> Four real-life examples, four real-life examples, likely representing millions of sincere followers of Jesus who have experienced, listen to me, confusion, and I've been with them, listen, some of them even a, a crisis of faith, because when they applied one of the almost 9,000 promises in the Bible to their own lives, it appears that God didn't keep the promise. So how can we fix the confusion with, with all these promises? How do we prevent sincere followers of Jesus from having a crisis of faith? Uh, you know, I, I love Pastor Jonathan when he taught us uh, last week about the pretext and the post-text. And, and uh, you know, what, what does the, the scripture say before and after the promise? But also today, I'm going to provide you with three questions to ask. You ready to record them? Three questions to ask when you're reading the Bible and you come across a promise. Three questions to ask before you put that verse on your screensaver or your fridge or you start singing every promise in the book is mine, all right? Three questions to ask. And listen, we're also going to resolve, you know those four real-life experiences? They're, they're going to get resolved as we ask these three questions. Here's the first one. Has Jesus fulfilled or expanded this promise? Come across a promise. Has Jesus fulfilled it or has he expanded it? Remember when Jesus um, spoke to the crowds. If you've ever read the first gospel, Matthew, it's in chapter five. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill. That means to fill them up. See, some people have this idea, oh, the old covenant is old and Jesus just sort of wiped it all away and he's got the, no, 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 no. He, he came to fill it up. He came to fill it up. So right in that same teaching on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, uh, Jesus would say things like this. You have heard it said, the old covenant, but I say to you, and he'd talk about how it was different since he arrived, since he fulfilled it. Jesus introduces what the old covenant looks like and how it applies now that he's arrived to fill it up. That's what fulfilled means, to fill it up. Uh, Pastor Jonathan spoke last week about the Ten Commandments. Jesus says, he didn't say forget about the Ten Commandments. He says, a new commandment I give you. Because what are the old Ten Commandments that Moses gave? Do, do not uh, steal, do not lie, bear false witness, do not commit adultery. M remember those? Well, listen, if you really love someone, are you going to steal from them? If you love someone, are you going to lie to them? You love someone, are you going to be sexually unfaithful with them? No, because you love them. And so love just absorbs all of those commandments. And it's just wonderful to see the way that Jesus fulfills the law. It's why we don't offer animal sacrifices anymore to pay for the very real damage 
that we do when we get selfish and when we hurt ourselves and other people. The old covenant said you must sacrifice a burnt offering to the Lord. The new covenant fulfills that. Look at Jesus offered for all time one sacrifice for sin. Someone should say hallelujah. I mean, that's wonderful. Just once, just done. Done and dusted, as the Irish say. Completed. The old covenant says, remember the promise to Abraham? It's what the old covenant is really all about. To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the, you, you, anyway, you know, the Tickbites, every, all of them. <laughs> all of them. I, I got advice for you, if, uh, some real estate advice, it's for free. If, if your <laughs> last name ends with ites, don't invest in real estate in the Middle East because it's, it's going to be gone, all right? <laughs> Jesus expanded that. Now, listen, listen, listen to how the New Testament puts it. He says, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to, belongs to every one of us. So the, the old covenant said this, God has chosen you. He had that chosen people. The, the Jewish nation, God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And then Jesus comes and he expands this. And he says this, he says, you, through the apostle Peter, he says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare, you know, the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into its marvelous light. And, and, and so Jesus fulfills, he expands. So there are some verses from the Old Covenant, the Law and the Prophets, that are exclusively for God's Old Covenant people. Jesus fulfilled them. We, we, we cannot apply the Old Covenant to our lives as if Jesus had not already come and, and, and fulfilled it. So, so we need to ask now, what does the old covenant promise, what does the old covenant promise look like now that Jesus has arrived? For instance, do we still do Jericho marches? That was a promise that God made one time to his old covenant people. Listen, goodness, for goodness sake, Joshua himself did not repeat that successful you know, instruction from God for any of the other cities that they went and conquered. It was a one-time instruction from God. It is not a template for churches acquiring real estate. Now, we're not saying that the old covenant promises don't apply to God's new covenant people. We just need to ask, is it fulfilled now that Jesus has come? Or did he expand it? Because watch this now. Watch where we're going now. Some of those old covenant promises get even better now that Jesus has arrived. For instance, uh, look at this. This beautiful old covenant promise. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. 
You know, so we say, oh, no, that was just for the old covenant people. Oh, no, look, 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 look at what Jesus says now. Jesus strengthened it. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is the, a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Do you see that? He, he expands on it. So that old covenant promise, man, let's put it in our hearts and let's be, let's be encouraged by it. The old covenant says, says this, for the Lord your God goes with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then we say, oh, Deuteronomy, you mean that's for the old covenant people? No, Jesus strengthened it. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Jesus expanded it. Some of his last words before ascending into heaven were this, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. So, so wow, what a... What an encouraging promise. Here's another one. The old covenant, the psalmist David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus sure expands on that one. He says, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Oh, how many are thankful. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a promise that Jesus strengthens. What about the verse from the promise box I grabbed when I was a teenager? I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way thou shalt go. Well, Jesus expanded that one. He says, I'm going to send my spirit, Keith, for you. And he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Did he ever expand that one? All right, so that's the first question. Got it? We're not going on until you get it. Has Jesus fulfilled or expanded this promise? All right, second question to ask when you come across the promise in the Bible is this. Is this promise for my life or somebody else's life? The last personal conversation that Jesus had with the Apostle Peter, one of the leaders of the New Testament church, and he's getting him ready to lead and uh, but, but he tells Peter how he's going to die. He basically promises him, you know, this is an early death for you. It wasn't three score and ten either. <laughs> Jesus says to P- Peter, when you are old, you know, you're going to need someone to take you around. He, he describes what is he basically promising, not the best future when he gets old. And Peter says to Jesus, Lord, what about him? He points to John. What about him? <laughs> And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Basically, mind your own business. But listen to me, what God says to prepare one person for what they will face in their future. He may give them a promise. That doesn't mean that you should apply it to your life and say it's of equal merit to me. I heard one man say, you know, I'm claiming the promises of God to Abraham. And right away, you should go on the alert, right? Promise of God to Abraham. God promised him, God promised Abraham land and family. So I'm claiming God's going to give me a house and children. Okay. Household salvation. 
It happened because the jailer, watch this, the jailer and his entire household had just witnessed a miracle. And then they heard Paul and Silas explain to them what Jesus had done for them and invited them to become followers of Jesus. And every, the, both parents and all the children said yes to Jesus. That's why they were all baptized together. You know, statistics about children raised in a Christian home with praying parents are very clear. The majority of people who live for Jesus as adults, many studies have been done. The majority of people who live for Jesus as adults first heard about Jesus in a family of Christ followers. Proverbs 22.6 is a principle that's been proven to be true. It's a principle. It's not a written guarantee for every child. If God was ever going to violate a person's free will... He should have started with Adam and Eve. <laughs> then that wouldn't have been the, the problem. But, but then they would have been forced to follow God. It would never be out of love, right? It would never be out of love be because they were forced to. I mean, the same thing's happening with the psalmist speaking of life as three score and ten. All you have to do is look at it in context. Look at, look, look at the verse in context. Or no, I, I don't think I have it on the screen. Let me read it to you. But it's... It, it's uh, our days may come to 70 years or 80. I'm claiming that. <laughs> if our strength endures, for they quickly pass and we fly away. He's basically saying life is short. Life is short. See, taking promises out of a promise box without asking, is this promise for me or for somebody else is dangerous. If someone grabs verses out of context, you can interpret the Bible to say all kinds of silly things. You can interpret the Bible to prove that the Old Testament Joseph played tennis because he served in Pharaoh's court. You could use the Bible to prove that Samson was an amazing comedian because he brought the house down. Right? You could prove that spirit-filled Christians should all drive Hondas because... When they were filled with the Spirit, they were all in one accord. You, you know what I'm saying? You could just pull stuff out. Just, listen, how many are listening now? Refuse to reduce God's precious promises to a fortune cookie status. All Scripture is God-breathed. All right, so has Jesus fulfilled or? Good. Is this promise for my life or? And third, here, ask this question. Anytime you come across a promise in the Bible, am I ready to handle the fulfillment of God's promise? Remember how the old covenant Joseph, uh, God promised him even as a boy. He gave him these dreams that promised him this great future of power and, and leadership. How did he handle those dreams? He flaunted them. Remember in front of his brothers? You know, he had this dream, and he go out to his brothers the next day and say, I had a dream about you last night. Guess what you were doing in your future? You were bowing down to me. Cool, eh? <laughs> Joseph was arrogant, self-centered, and entitled. He was in no, listen to me, he was in no condition to handle what God was promising him his future would look like. But after he was sold into slavery by his own brothers, put into prison under false charges, 
and learned to handle that and learned that the Lord was with him, even in prison, even going through these things. He, he lost his arrogance. He lost his self-centeredness, began to serve others and live for God. And God prepared Joseph through trials so that, listen to me, so that he could handle the fulfillment of the promises that God had given to him even as a boy. As Joseph was able to say when his brothers came to Egypt for famine relief and finally they recognized each other, Joseph was able to say to his brothers, what you intended for evil when you sold me into slavery, what you intended for evil God has turned into good, but don't miss the most important part for the saving of many lives. Some of you online listening to me right now and in this room in Toronto are going through a trial and you're saying, why God am I going through this? You know what God is doing? God, if you handle it well, he can prepare you through that trial to shape you so that you can handle the promises that he wants to fulfill in your life that will result in the blessing of others. Isn't that wonderful? There's a lesson that uh, I learned in Philippians. When I, I was reading one day, it just said this, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take a view of things. And then he says this, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Then he says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. In other words, if you're having trouble seeing your next steps, Check out how you've been following what God said in the steps you're already taking. God's already made some things clear to us, and when we don't follow what he's already said, why do we expect to him, him to fulfill promises and to do even more? My wife and I are like you. We've, we've had our share of financial setbacks. But we always have confidence to pray because we know we have honored God with the finances we've already had. It just gives an amazing confidence to you. I've been with people. It's tough for them to have faith for a job or for God to provide finances because they haven't been trusting God with the finances they've already had. And Philippians says, you know, let us live up to what we have attained. I've been with people that just... just they don't want to live the Christian life. They want to live for Jesus in other areas of their life. But boy, when they have a need, they just, they just oh, oh, Jesus, just, just give me a word. So have you ever been with those people and they go like this? They say, God, just give me, I'm facing this tough situation. Just give me a promise. I need to hear a word from you right now. And they open up their Bible and they point. <laughs> and Judas went out and hung himself. Come on, Lord. Give me, give me a word. I need something. And they, they open Go thou and do likewise. And then, and, then, and then they, what you must do, do quickly. You know, listen, listen, listen to Jesus now. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You see, some people say, all they read is, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Right? Jesus, you promised. 
He says, if you remain in me. How many know if is an important word? (laughs) Of the 574 times it's used in the New Testament, half of them are in the Gospels, the teachings of Jesus. If, if. You know, the, the podcast that pastors Jonathan and, and uh, Jessica and Matt are doing on Thursdays. If you, if you want to just learn more about how to interpret the Bible, jo- join, them, join them on Thursdays because people, or, or, the, or the people that say, if God will give me the desires of my heart. Okay? Let's look at it in context. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will... Yeah. How many right desires starts with right delighting? When you delight yourself in the Lord, he shapes you. And the things you end up asking for are the things that he wants to do anyway. Do you see that? So delight yourself. I, I, my wife and I are building a, a smaller place in the near north of Ontario. I talked to one of the tradespeople last week, and, um, and he... he uh, we're getting to know each other. Do you have kids? Yeah. One of them's in university, but the only time I ever hear from them is when they want money. And he wasn't laughing. You could hear the hurt in his voice. You know, it must be what it's like when God just hears one of us say, God, give me the desires of my heart. But there's no delighting ourselves in the Lord. Jesus, give me whatever I ask for. But there's not a whole lot of closeness to him. There's no remaining in his, his word. Listen, if your if your Bible diet is just going for the promises, going for the word for you for today, for right now, I want to I want to warn you right now. I'm I'm not a medical doctor. I'm sort of a spiritual doctor, I guess. You're in for type two spiritual diabetes. You are. Yeah. You just the, 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 you're not, you don't have a balance. You need other stuff in your diet. Or you're going to get spiritually sick. You're going to be saying, God, I, I'm confused. Why aren't you keeping your promises? Uh, if you're struggling with something in your life, just, just, just check, check and see how you're doing with what God has already revealed to you. Live up to what you have attained. And it's amazing when you trust God there, how he will, he will lead you into more. You know, my, my, both my father and brother had uh, this promise from Proverbs as their life verse. It ends with this promise, and he shall direct your paths. And we love that, right? That's why we love the verse. But, but just look at what comes before it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. You know, look at that. Lean not on your own understanding. Pastor Timothy Keller, pastors in New York, he says, if you believe God, uh, if you say, I believe God, and you trusted God, and he didn't come through, then you only trusted God to meet your own agenda. You were leaning on your own understanding. He goes on to say, if we knew what God knows, we would ask exactly for what he gives. The remaining in his word. And then, then we ask for what delights him. You know, Jesus said, all these things will be added unto you. He's talking about food, clothing, and shelter. But what does he say before that? Seek first the kingdom of God. 
And all these things will be added to you. Be the kind of Jesus follower that he can fulfill his promises in and through. Be that kind of follower. So, do we close Pastor Jonathan by singing every promise in the book is mine? Do we, do, do we sing it? What about the whole message of the Bible is mine? <laughs> so this week, when you come across a promise in the Bible, ask these three questions. Has Jesus fulfilled or expanded this promise? And then, is this promise for my life or somebody else? And then third, am I ready to handle the fulfillment of God's promise? So say you're reading through 1 Kings in the Old Covenant part of the Bible, and you read this, not one word has failed of all the good promises. And then it says, through his servant Moses. Oh, I guess that was for the Old Covenant people, the time of Moses. Hold on. Did Jesus expand on that? You bet he did. The New Covenant says, many examples I could give you, but the New Covenant says to his followers, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Say it aloud together with me. For he who promised us is faithful. So how about we, we end this teaching time with Pastor Jonathan leading us in prayer, but just before he does, let's... Let's listen to some in our church family who have uh, lived for Jesus for years, some of the seniors who have had a faith in the Lord that's been a lot deeper than uh, a promise box. Seniors who have fed their souls for years with all scripture, who have held unswervingly to the faith in Jesus they profess. And watch this, when you listen, when you listen to their stories, watch right when they needed it, because <laughs> they were in the scriptures, the promises of the scriptures, the Holy Spirit made real to them right when they needed it. The Bible is my go-to book. When I'm down and out, I stand on it when I feel discouraged, I find my, the Bible as my roadmap. Sometimes I get lost. <laughs> I've turned to the Word of God and focusing on different characters, how they have handled um, problems during their life. The Bible means everything to me. No, every morning when I wake up, I always get to the Bible and I read God's Word because it helps me through the day. When I see the way that uh, God relates to different people, I know that he can relate to each of us and help us in, in our particular situations. There was a time when I was uh, rushed to, to the hospital for emergency surgery. I remembered the verse. I remembered the Lord is my shepherd. I was in a car accident, and while I was lying in hospital, um, Psalm 23 comes to my mind. When my husband passed away, um, the story of Esther helped me. When I was looking to change my job, I would always lean on the scripture verse from Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and with supplication, make your request known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. One day my dad and I had a disagreement. Then I remember the word of the Lord said, when your mother and your father forsake you, I will take you. So that verse in the Bible came alive for me that night. I had to make a difficult decision and he brought into my thoughts, into my heart, 
Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I had to undergo major surgery. Isaiah 41.10, which says, Fear not, for I am with you. When I first arrived in Canada, I have a little difficulty with immigration. In the scripture, the Lord said, He will never leave you or forsake you. And I know if He is for me, who will ever be against me? I remember once uh, reading through 1 Corinthians, and as Paul is dealing with a number of very, very difficult people, it reminded me of some of the very, very difficult people that I've had <laughs> to deal with. And I read Psalm 57. It was a very, very difficult time in my life. And the words that resonated with me were, I will take shelter in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. And I thought, this is real. This book is real. It is God speaking. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.